Welcome to Call It Like I See It, presented by Disruption Now. I'm James Keyes, and today we would like to discuss what we see in the battle royale that the Democratic Party is calling a primary, the argument that more growth is what's key to saving our environment, the lawsuit filed by XX chromosome females against an athletic sanctioning board in Connecticut to prevent transgender participation in female events, and the identification of another prehistoric hominid species that modern humans interacted with in more ways than one. Joining me today is the man who tried to be a guest referee in the Democratic primary battle royale, but got thrown over the top rope, Tunde Ogunlana. Tunde, you keeping an eye out for somebody flying off the top turnbuckle? Jimmy the Superfly Snooker, brother. <laughs> he, he got me. He took me out. <laughs> all right, all right. Also joining me today is the man who tries to be in politics, but not of politics, Rob Richardson. Rob, have you achieved that balance it's hard, man, especially now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, we're recording this on February 16th, 2020, and you are listening right now to part one of our discussion where we discuss the battle royale-style Democratic primary where candidates keep coming in and dropping out and all types of crazy stuff is hap- happening. Jumping right in, I wanted to ask you guys, when, when you see the Democratic primary and what's happened so far, you know, at this point we've had two states have their process, Iowa and New Hampshire. What do you see so far? You know, or what stands out to you? Well, I'll, I'll just say it's the, there are two ghosts going on out here, okay? There's the ghost of Obama, and then there's the ghost of the present occupant of the White House, which is, of course, is Trump. So let me break down both, because I think both are really important. Uh, the ghost of Obama, <clears throat> there was this uh, theory that I think has now been disproven that we could somehow magically recreate the Obama coalition. So we just have (laughs) the right candidate with a message that's similar to Obama, kind of sound like Obama and do things like Obama. Suddenly we would recreate Obama's coalition, that winning coalition that would go on and and certainly defeat Trump. Because I think most people uh, in theory would not uh, argue that Obama could have beaten Trump. Right. So I think Mm -hmm. people are like, all right, all we need to do is recreate that. So let's create that special sauce put together. Let's get a candidate that uh, checks all these boxes and then maybe we'll get there. Uh, The problem with that, of course, the Obama coalition isn't a real coalition. It's Obama's coalition. It's just Obama. Right. No one has been able to recreate that. So that has been broken up. And so now we have the party in search of a message and a messenger at the same time. And so there's the ghost of Obama wanting to say, let's reach that, which I think is a horribly unrealistic goal to reach for so many reasons. James, you and I have discussed this many times that if the Democrats are waiting for somebody that's going to walk on water and be this, yeah, you know, yeah. savior for them. We, we need they, a ride. They, hey, all we yeah. need is a rock star. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which comes once in a generation. You're, that's a losing, stupid strategy. It's, okay, that's one. All right. Mm-hmm. Then there's the ghost of Trump. And why that's important is because I think this has Democrats in a state of fog and fear and they're losing their ever loving mind. So and how they're going about picking the process, uh, we've gotten to all levels of this. We've gotten to the point where we've gone through a complete purity test. Right. We've, I've seen extremes where yeah. if somebody has anything like, oh, my God, he said something to a girl that offended her 30 years ago, and then that suddenly you have to be eliminated. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but not that much, right? Because I don't think, looking back at it, I don't think we should have taken Al Franken out. Just think about if Al Franken was one of the candidates. He actually checks a lot of the boxes, and I think he has a better chance. But we ran out somebody like that because of, I think, things that shouldn't have, that, that, that he shouldn't have been ran out for. They were wrong. He could apologize and move on. But all things considered, well, it looks I mean, rather I, ridiculous. I, I understand what you're, where you're going with that, but... Staying to like, yes, the purity test, but what else about that? Like, you know, well, what well the point is, I, I believe yeah. the purity test. Let me get to the part. Yeah, I see yeah, where yeah. you're going. The, I think Trump and what he's doing has set people so on fire that everything's a response to him. Like, OK, so we don't need to be like Trump. We don't need to be like Trump. And then we get to a purity test with me, too. We don't need to be like Trump. We don't need to be like Trump. So then we've gotten even with Biden. Like I have some things. Biden has been fumbling his way through this whole <laughs> co- through this whole primary. But even some things he has been held to has been unfair. And so like that process, I think, has gotten us to this point where it's just been, you know, uh, also Kamala Harris. Kamala's a cop. I'm like, God, like we got to the point where we have we, we've made it so hard for anybody uh, who, are, who are decent candidates. And I actually think the fact that Biden, Biden has some fault in this. And James Carville said this by even staying in like he's a weak. It's not the problem that he's a moderate. The problem is he's a he's a bad candidate. <laughs> so like he should be in the process because he's pushing out because of his name ID. So many other 
good yes, candidates. Yes. So he, he's we have crowding that lane out. Exactly. So we've had this just clusterfuck, right? We're allowed to cuss on this one. <laughs> yes, it has been a clusterfuck of a primary, and that's what's going on. That's my summary. Wait, what do you got? What do you have, Tunde? What, what do you got, see? I got man? a few, man. <clears throat> no, I agree. It's funny. I just started thinking as you ended with Joe Biden that um, you know Joe Biden in this go round reminds me a lot like Jeb Bush in 2016. You know, somebody that a lot of people felt might have should have had a turn, um, and that you know it, the turn was given to someone else, and, and in his case, it was his brother, and, and in Biden, it was um, him him not pushing to run in 2016 and allowing Hillary. And you're right. And now that it's it's his turn, like when it was Jeb's turn in 16, it's kind of painful to watch someone that probably could have been a good leader of the country at, at one point in time just not look like they got it anymore. He just um, doesn't have so, it, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> it was low energy Jeb, and now it's, you know, low energy. I don't energy. know if he ever had it, but so, this is um, correct. He's three. tried no, before. I get it. <laughs> but, but I get it. But let's not make this, this isn't about Biden, but correct, it's just a point that I see so many similarities, and that's kind of what I'm getting at is, as, as Rob was pointing out, some of these things are reminding me that, you know, this is what happens when, and, and I think Rob spoke to it very clearly, there's, the ghost of Trump is is a natural reaction just to the opponent. Um, it's no different than the Tea Party's reaction to Obama. They, they, they were just irrational in their in their response to him. And I think that's what we're identifying here is that some on the left are very irrational in their responses to to um, some of the things that have just come up in the last few years. But um, more more specifically, in the in the analogy and comparison is, you know, by 2012. There was a tug of war within the GOP and the conservatives because you had the moderate Republicans of kind of the Jeb Bush types versus, you know, the, the, the more um, emboldened and louder and more emotional side of the party, which was manifested in the Tea Party. And I think that we're just seeing the same thing play out here where you had a, a, a power structure in the Democratic Party for many years, which was, you know, led by the Clinton family and then someone like Obama naturally as president. And they're all generally moderate types. And I think what happened, and we saw some of this, James, when we talked about the Martin Luther King book, where once there's a bit of a change, the ones that are a little bit more aggressive within that kind of change movement then feel that it hasn't gone far enough. And I think, Rob, that alludes to your, your concern, which I agree with, which like looking at how some people, like Al Franklin, I think were treated a little bit unfairly during this Me Too movement. Um, and there's obviously examples of other people that deserve what they got, you know, Harvey Weinstein's and Bill Cosby. So I think that to me, this mirrors a lot of what we saw in 2012 with the GOP. And I think what, what also makes it interesting, though, to Rob's point is the ghost of Trump, that um, a lot of, you know, the opponent for the Democrats this time around is much different than any opponent many have ever seen on, on either side of the political spectrum. So. I think you guys are bringing up a lot of valid points, and it'll just be interesting to see how the Democrats get through this process and then still have to go up against Trump and yeah. the whole establishment of the GOP. And that's going to be the next thing we talk about. One thing I wanted to, to, to mention, though, I will say this. The, I think the primary is the time, though, to be picky as far as what you want. You know, like you, you should. This is the time to say, no, 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 I want somebody that's like this. No, I want somebody like this. Now, it may be unrealistic, but at the primary, that's OK, because that is when you're trying to figure it all out as a party, what you're going to put forward as your standard bearer. Uh, I, the thing that sticks out to me, though, is this is too many people um, like when you're winning elections with 25 percent of the vote. That is not a good thing as far as trying to find out that all you're finding out is really who has the highest floor. And I don't say this to go like somebody who supports Bernie Sanders might say, oh, you're just going to Bernie. It's like, well, no, it's not that. The, the issue is more so I want to know if Bernie Sanders can get 60 percent or 50 or 50. I mean, forget it. But can he get the majority? Can I, can I, can I actually Yo, challenge please, that? Go though? Ahead, go ahead. Let me challenge that because I, I, I think you have a relevant point. But I would say that process is playing out no different than 2016. It's how. It's how we got Trump. Now, maybe that's not a good example. That's literally how we got Trump. No, I but mean, that's to my point. It, it, the point is, is that the majority of the people are, are, are going to be split up. You get factional candidates when you split the choices up so much. When you get 20% here, 30% there, you're winning elections with 30%. Remember, that's how Trump got, got to where he was. If Trump had to go mano and mano against a legitimate candidate, one legitimate candidate, 
and people got to compare those two, he probably wouldn't have got to where he was going to get to. So you, I'm saying it supports the fringe. It supports people who have a dedicated small following versus people who may be more skilled at building a coalition. Because ultimately, the person is then going to have to turn around and build a coalition. And we've all heard the saying that Republicans fall in line, Democrats fall in love. So Republicans are good once they once they got a guy who got 30 percent in the primary and they won and say, OK, we're going to support the guy because we're going to fall in line. The Democrats, that's yet to be seen, you know, and so I, I do want to move to, to look forward. So I don't I don't want to belabor this point. If you guys have anything to say more on this, just just say it real well, quick. Before the, you jump the only into the thing next. I would say, Jimmy, is I think this is where we just have to recognize that, you know, a democracy is sloppy. Right. Because you're right. I mean, obviously, the, the, the right thing would be to kind of at this point have less people. But then. What do you do? You don't force it. Because remember, the Democrats got in trouble in 2016 with the way that they, they vaulted Hillary as the anointed one, the, the savior. And that didn't go too well either. So no, I think, yeah, it's, it's I, one I, of those. I don't have the answer. Yeah, I'm I know. Just That's saying, what I'm saying. I don't think there is an answer. I think this is where we just well, have to accept that. Well, there is an answer, that, though. There well, is an I'm answer. I'm just saying that you, this is where all of us, I think, just have to accept that. This is where so, d- democracy gets a little bit sloppy. And well, it's we're okay. going to get it's, into that. You know, let me let me yeah. just let me put the next point up and then see how you respond to that because this is going to tie in. Looking forward, and, and you know, this is what I want to ask. Looking forward, do you think this process that we're in right now can deliver a candidate can affect that can effectively take on Trump? You know, and and, and so so Tunde, you know, what, what do you think? Can, is this going to um, end up with somebody that can take on Trump? I, I think I think um, it's an interesting question. Right after the last literally the last stuff we just talked about because I don't think, no, because I don't think it's the process, right? Like, you're right. Whether we had, you know, at this point, whether we saw two or one candidate on the Democratic side, I mean, let's say more than one, obviously it's his primary, but let's say it was like a few, two or three, that's it. Versus if it's the same, I mean, what are they down to now? Six or seven uh, officially or even less. But my point is, is that the process itself I don't think is about delivering someone that can or can't effectively take on Trump. I think it's the candidates themselves. And my personal opinion, watching this field of Democratic candidates, um, I, I think no. I think the president, where he's positioned today in February of 2020, looks very good to beat any of the Democratic candidates for various reasons that obviously we could get into. But um, now, I say very clearly to protect myself from future harm that 2020 in February, I know a lot can change in this uh, political landscape. We got landscape. the sound bite, man. We got so, the sound bite. Yeah, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob, what do you think, man? What do you think? Can, can this process deliver what they're trying to, they're trying to come up. The whole point of the thing is to get somebody that can run in the general election. Can this process yeah. deliver somebody who's capable of building a coalition? I mean, that's the point of the process, and it's really, uh, you know, I used to be really, really good at kind of predicting things and saying, based upon this, this candidate can do X, Y, Z. Uh, I've learned to eat humble pie in the last couple of years because everything, <laughs> you know, <laughs> conventional wisdom <laughs> has been thrown just to the wall. Uh, traditionally, it would be hard to beat a candidate like Trump anyway. Uh, the economy, relatively speaking, perception-wise, people feel it's strong. Yeah, uh, it's looking at growing. the numbers, like right. Like, look at the numbers, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you know, the, but Trump is not—he's not normal in any way because he is. He, instead of finding ways to figure out how he can grow his base, he figures out ways just to reinforce his base. The reason why I think Democrats might be in trouble is is, is not what a lot of people think. It's not because we're going to get some moderate middle. I'm of the belief that there there are no moderates right now in this time. I think people know where. Where, where they are with Trump, whether they like him or not, whether they're going to vote for him or not. The key is who can get their people out, who can mm-hmm. motivate enough of their people. Yeah. And I think uh, the strategy of the president is not what a lot of Democrats think. Democrats think, like, we need to get these uh, people in the middle, these uh, Republicans that are leaning. This is the, this is the tension of the Democratic Party. And, and, and my view is that I think these people have, who have the view of we can convince this minority of moderates to move our way if we just become a little bit more like, I don't know, Republicans of two, of the 2000s and we could just pretend to be that way and then maybe mm-hmm. some Republicans will come with us. I think that's flawed strategy. I think it's flawed thinking because people that are with Trump love Trump and there are multiple reasons for that. There are, there are people that are fascinated with a personality like Trump and that, that might be some Democratic voters too and they just like the fact that this guy's just doing whatever, shaking it up, just doesn't give a fuck. There are people that love that part with him. Then there are, then there are their transactional voters who say, well, you know, I don't love the tweets, but I love the judges. I mm-hmm. love the regulations. And then there are people to say, huh, I don't like how he is. I don't like his personality, but, you know, the economy is kind of good. So he has those factors in his favor. 
And he's going to use that and micro-target who he thinks he can convert. And he, he says, fuck everybody else. You know, Democrats are like, oh, well, let's figure out how we can mold a message that includes everybody and makes everybody feel comfortable. And they will do that and they will market to everyone and then market to no one. Yeah. They, don't market, they don't market to the people that will actually vote for them because they think, well, that doesn't matter. We need to get people that Trump has. I think that's a losing strategy because of that mentality, the mentality of the, of the establishment. It's not about having a moderate position. It's understanding your market, <laughs> going yeah. after your market, and then growing from there. Because of that, that's what I worry about. Yeah. That's my thoughts. I don't know. <laughs> Yotunde, what you got? Well, I got a lot because that's awesome, Rob. Um, I think you know just that comment you made, understanding your market, is where I was going. I think that um, you know when I observe all this, I think it, it's good, taking it back to just where right before Rob's last comments, um, where we were was you know the problem with this whole thing for both sides, and it's interesting of Rob's point about the last few years, the unpredictability of kind of the political landscape is true. The reason why it's unpredictable, and a lot of people either don't recognize this or, or don't want to acknowledge it, is that Trump is not a traditional conservative Republican. Um, he's uh, just, not he's a just traditional, not. Not a traditional conservative and a not a traditional correct. Republican. Correct. That's my point. <laughs> like and so, or a traditional politician he's, or person correct. Yeah. or so, whatever. So that's why I say it that way because, and I, don't, and I say it with a neutral stance, I'm just saying that there's a lot of things about him that appeals to the populist types. There's Absolutely. a lot that appears to, you know, so the point is, is that he came in and smashed the whole system with a hammer and the system still hasn't figured out how to deal with him. And in a sense, he's just plowing through him every day. And so when I, when I, when I, you know, Rob's got so many good points, um, you know, because one of the things is, um, you know, like when you were talking, Rob, it made me think of that guy, Simon Sinek and that book, you know, start with why. Um, like Trump figured out the why for most voters and enough voters to get elected. The Democrats are still playing checkers. They don't get the why. They're still talking about, that's why I stopped watching they the don't, news. They don't have they, one. That's well, the they don't. And, and it's all about, and, and here's the other thing that I wrote down, Rob, while you're talking is you're talking, make me realize things. Um, because they don't understand the why, this is why I think Trump's going to win again. Action, I always tell my kids, actions speak louder than words. And if you look at, like you said, Rob, so, so correctly, there's, there's, there's several different types of uh, fans of Donald Trump. There's some that like that, that just to poke it in the eye. They like the tweets. They like all that. They're not paying as much attention to policy. Then there's the others that, you know, they're not the types that like that type of personality stuff. They don't like the bullying, but they've agreed from the transactional nature of the relationship. We like the judges. We like the economy. We like all that. And then I'm sure there's probably people that like both. And then there's probably a minority of people out there that don't like either. And I think that's what the Democrats don't get is that, because I wrote down a couple of things. I, I'm not as conservative as the people who like the judges. I tend to not like a lot of the, the choices of judges that the president has approved. But I can respect that there are a lot of people that like that transaction. So he's delivered on judges. He's delivered on certain parts of his immigration policy. He's delivered on justice reform. And he's delivered on the economy. So I mean, we can all. So, so there's no candidate that can take all that. Well, no, it's not saying. about not taking it on. What I'm saying is that, and and everyone can argue and parse out what I just said. Oh, but the economy, this or that. My point is that it's he, about perception can, and correct, feel. That's my he knows point. How to, he knows he can, how to do that. He can say and come into this election saying, "I came in saying I changed those things, and I've been effective in, in disrupting them in a positive way to you." Meaning, I don't think the judges, for me, were positive changes. But to a lot of people in America, they were. And they've been waiting for that, too, because they feel like Bush didn't deliver it, and his dad didn't deliver it, and Reagan might have done it a bit, but that's so long ago. We need somebody now. So that's all I'm saying is that, and, and the other thing is that that's where I feel like the Dems don't get it. They keep telling the country, don't look at what you're seeing. Oh, the economy isn't as good as what you're, you're hearing. Oh, this isn't as good that... Instead of just finding a different way to compete with him. And that's what I'm saying is that that's why I'm not saying that no one can do it and that there's not a candidate. I'm just saying from what I see now with the Democratic candidates is like Rob said at the beginning, they're victims of their own minds with the two ghosts. They're trying to figure out how to be look in the rearview mirror and fight the last war being Obama. And then they're trying to figure out how to dance right with Trump when he's leading the dance. 
Well, so that that does sound like you're saying that the, this process cannot deliver someone who can effectively take. I don't see it right now. And, and, okay. and what I'm saying is because here's the interesting thing that I can appreciate about President Trump. He went into 2016 and trying to fi- instead of trying to figure all that out, he just created a new reality for the country by presenting something different. And well, yeah, the, I mean, that's true. But let me ask you. I mean, well, so where is the Democrat this. that's going to do that? That's what I mean. You can't fight this fire of Trump with the traditional fire. That's what Jeb Bush tried to do and Ted Cruz and all those guys. It didn't well, work out. You too say well. all that. And this is what I, 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 I always escapes me when um, the self-defeatism on the Democratic side. Now, I agree with you that they're not going about this in a very smart way. Like they're leading with but policy. I'm, I'm going to say this until then go. I'm not I don't consider myself a Democrat in this conversation. I'm not being self-defeatist. I'm truly trying to look at it from the outside. Okay. and saying well, this is what I'm seeing. Uh, the sky all. is yeah. falling. Self-defeatist, depending on where you're coming from. Um, all of that said, all of these people that love Donald Trump for various reasons and this guy still is net negative in terms from a job approval rating. Has been yes. from the, the he's whole behind, time. He's behind on every candidate by and, a lot, according and, to no, the polls. According to the polls. But I'm talking about like just, just favorite job approval rating. Forget all the other candidates. Like there's still a lot of people that don't like this guy. And if you judge just based on the stuff they track for all presidents, how popular they are, again, not relative to anybody else, but just how good of a job people think they're doing. This guy's in the negative and has been. So there's clearly a lot of people who don't like what he does as well. Now, That's the true. problem I have, and this is where I don't think this process can deliver, or it, it, as it's going right now, is going to, is able to deliver a candidate that can effectively uh, take him on, is that we have no idea. Like, they're leading with policy. And Democrats want to talk all this policy and stuff, but this goes into what you guys were saying as far as not leading to the, or not leading with the why, not having a why. Like, that's not what's going to get it done. Even Bernie Sanders, based on his policy, has a floor, a hard floor. Like, he's going to get a certain amount of votes in any election he's in. Yeah. That doesn't his necessarily... Pro- it, it, yep. His problem but, is how he labels stuff, but go ahead. Well, yeah, yeah, we, we, we have, yeah. We've already been, we've over, we've already been, been over that. We've but, been over that, like, but yes. He, so, but at least he has a why with that. He thinks our exactly. system is inequitable, and, and so I applaud him for that. I think, exactly. as, as we point, as we talked about many times, the way he labels his stuff is problematic. But in general, it can't be, I'm just going to... Do like, here's my policies. Here's all the things I'm going to do. These people need to come up with a vision for what this country is going to be. Obama had that. And yep, Trump he has that. You know, make America great again is a good vision. You know, like whether you agree with all of that stuff or not. It, well, it's, it's, a good, it's a good, it's a good, it's a vision that, uh, that, that sparks emotions. That's what you're getting Correct. at. Like, well, it's not that you not, change, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, exactly. it's not that you agree, it's it's not that you yeah. agree with it. It's that, you know, when, when people are putting on that red hat, whether you like it or not, it sparks emotions on both sides that you know what it is that uh, MAGA hat stands more for and is fighting for. Though, more importantly, the people who put it on feel good about putting it on. That's what I mean. Right. That's, that's what I mean. It sparks emotion. Is, you know how right so, you guys are? Think about what you guys are saying. The emotional feeling of just saying, I'm part of this movement to make America great again versus what his opponent slogan was, I'm with her. Right? I mean, like... <laughs> Like, think about that. I mean, you guys are so right. It's basic shit. It's like Obama with hope and change. That makes you feel good. And that's but here's the thing. It think. makes you feel good. And they also, this is critical, and this is why we're having trouble. It's not that people don't have slogans. It's that their, 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 their messaging aligns with not only their words, but things they are doing. So Obama really... To his credit, and sometimes to his detriment, he believed that hope and change stuff, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He, 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 he governed that way. He believes that way. He believes it to his core. That's why he's effective, and he's always been that way. Well, no, I want to tie up right, what I was saying, though, I, because there, there was a piece about this. And so here's now, now looking back to the process of what the, the, the primary process is and how we've talked to so many people and they're coming and going and so forth. My concern or the flaw I see with the process is that that message gets lost. Now, it may just be the candidates are all bad. And if we had some rock star that came in, they would be able to take everything over. But it seems like that process, is, again, is only really trying to figure out who has the highest floor in all these places. Like, you have no idea if any of these guys, if Biden was running one-on-one with, with Bernie, we have no idea if he could get 70% or if Bernie could get 70%. Like, I want to know somebody that can bring people together because that's what winning elections is about as Rob knows very well. Rob is, is good at this, is putting coalitions together. You have Everybody's not going to agree with you on everything. You have to be able to put coalitions together. And that's the, I don't see how... That, but, uh, well, that let, me, let me ask here. you guys a question, and Rob, this this one will be for you. I think okay. mostly because you've been in, in real politics, um, sure. you know, in that sense. 
Is it is because it's a good question, Jimmy. So it made me think: Is the problem not necessarily the candidates or the voters and all that? Is it the process that we've seen so far? Because as we're recording this again in February, mid-February of 2020, we've only so far had New Hampshire and Iowa as the primaries, and I don't know so much about New Hampshire, but I, from what I heard, that, that the Iowa caucus was a disaster, and it seems to be an un, pretty undemocratic process to pick a leader. And so to your point, Jimmy, is the way that the primary process is even structured, does that kind of force us to have so many people in this this floor and ceiling issue and not allowing just the majority, 51% of the people in the state just to have a say and not all this kind of caucus and this weird way of just going about it? Right. Like, so let me let me people just show up and vote, you know. So and, I'll, I'll speak to that uh, on a few ways. Uh, the process is completely flawed and it doesn't work at all. And and um, so I do think the process has had a problem. And people, uh, particularly Democrats, like to go back to the Obama election to say, well, you know, Iowa caucuses gave us an opportunity to have Obama. But Obama is such an exception for so many reasons. But he is the exception that reinforces the rule. It's not like <laughs> so he that, actually that's an excellent point. Right. So he is the exception that reinforces a really bad process. Yes, he did it well, but that's just him. And so, yes, the process is completely flawed. It needs to be looked at again. We need to have different states first for a whole lot of reasons. It's not just even diversity. It's better picking of candidates. We can we can review and I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole because we can have a whole we can have a whole session about how we vote in this country. But there are more. Uh, there are ways that are more representative. There's called rank, you know, rank voting, where you instant, can rank your instant votes. Instant runoff voting is the instant, yeah, those things exactly. Voting, yeah. You can do those things. It becomes you have more equitable results. So the process is absolutely flawed. And to me, the Democratic Party needs to look at that because if they're trying to produce better candidates that could actually win, that's what they need to do. Final yeah. point, and this is the final kind of like analogy how I look at this. I look at this like this process of how you choose candidates is a lot like choosing quarterbacks that go from. The uh, from college to the NFL, you know, they may look great in college. They've been, but that doesn't mean they're good in the NFL. Case in point, Tom Brady was what? He was like a second string quarterback in college. There's a lot of other quarterbacks we can go through that example with, but it's different when you're in the game. So you, we look for things uh, uh, like we look, we, we, we tend to view it like people view some college quarterbacks. Well, he played for a good college. He had a good record. That yeah. means nothing. You have to look for other qualities and candidates. And sometimes we have a better, we need a better process to bring those better candidates out. So that's, no, that's, that's the answer to my question. Right. No, I think yeah. like that's kind of what I mean as far as we can't, we have no way of figuring out who has a, who has a higher ceiling, who can reach the heights. Yeah, it's, it's all about, can you get your, your core 30 out? If you can get your core 30 out, you're going to win. All Which is only like, part of the up. process. It needs to be more than that. Correct. Correct. Cause that's so still an important part. Tunde, I, uh, we're going to, um, you know, move to, to, to discussing, um, a, what some people have called a mockery of the process, but, um, did you have What's any that? other thoughts you wanted to wrap up? Nah, on? Um, we're good. No, Let's okay. Rolling, well, bro. What I wanted to ask you guys, it's been mentioned that Michael Bloomberg, the way he's going about this as far as how much money he's spending, how he's just parachuting in to Super Tuesday, you know, to date, has done no debates, how he's making a mockery of the process uh, and basically just trying to, to elbow his way in with his money and buy name recognition and basically just subvert the whole thing. What do you guys think there? I mean, is that what's happening here? I mean, we have a group of people that have been campaigning for months and now right. we have a guy who you know, has all the money in the world just parachuting in and say, hey, I'm the guy. <laughs> I, I think it's a great example that money and power will always find each other in the long run. I mean, it reminds me of 100 years ago when a lot of these campaign laws and all that came into place because they felt that the, you know, certain wealthy families in the Robert Barron era were getting too much power. And I think sometimes a little bit of his transparency because... You know, the Teddy Roosevelt and Franklin Roosevelt, for example, came from extremely wealthy families. I, I'd be surprised if they didn't leverage some of their personal wealth in getting to the office. And then we can look at examples like Joe Kennedy. You know, it's, it's kind of well documented that the mafia played a role in helping John Kennedy win. So the idea of people with wealth and resources and relationships using them uh, to ascend to power isn't new. I think um, the transparency of someone like Michael Bloomberg being able to do it might be what makes this shocking. Um, <laughs> but you're right, because there's something, look, there's something that seems unnatural about a guy in a, what's supposed to be a democracy where we have, you know, the, the ability of, of people to just come from everyday life and get into Congress or the Senate or eventually become president. I think using all that, that wealth to get, to just jump himself to the front of the line um, but again, maybe that's what we're living. This democracy is messy, and this is a part that just 
You know, because they could put all these rules in place, but at the end of the day, if he's a guy worth $60 billion, 68, $68 billion, he'll find the seams and the loopholes, right? I mean, at some point, he can get around certain things and just make the money still show up. So, well, this, this is what I'll say. Like, so, like, it's a. To answer James' question, is he making a mockery of the system? The system is a mockery. So he's just. Yeah, he's just, just, just I, mean, like, caucus, I, mean, right? I mean, like, yeah. yeah so like, I mean, like, you're right. So, like, it's already so, a mockery. So, 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 so I don't so really have a problem with that not, part. Let, so let's not flatter him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, not exactly. It's he's, not, he's not, right? It's already a mockery. So, like, that's actually not my problem with, with him. When I, I hear a lot of. My other fellow Democrats complain about him using his own money. That's not my problem with him. I don't have, you know, this is our, this has been our, this is our system. Should it be fixed? Yes. This is the current system as it is. Most, most members of Congress are millionaires. It should not be that way. So you either have to make millions or know how to get millions. It's just the, that's the game we live in. And uh, there are ways that, that, that you can address that. Obama showed that Obama raised a billion dollars and Obama wasn't, wasn't a millionaire. So it can be done. It's hard. It's very hard, but it can be done. So, like, that's not really my complaint. My complaint has has something to do with his whole record and how the process is going from there and that we need to explore that record. And I think, and it goes back to my earlier point of where I think Democrats' brains are. It's so, right now, not only affected, but infected with the thinking of Trump. And, yeah. and the, the fear that is driving Democrats, I think, is driving them past irrationality. Now, on one extreme, we talked about earlier, it was this purity test to a point of just being absurd. I think people have now grown so worn of that because that was overdone. It was like crying wolf again and again and again and again. Now, when, this, when Bloomberg comes up, who has some serious, serious issues from the past, not from the, not, we're not talking a long time ago. We're not talking about 15, 20 years ago. We're talking about three years ago in his entire record, which we can get more into, but that hasn't been vetted. And there are some people who are saying, well, we don't need to, we don't, we need to not worry about perfection. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about somebody that might be so flawed that you are just looking at his money and not the fact that his liabilities could also make him a liability. Well, no, that's an excellent can, point. Um, can can and, I jump in real quick? Well, I want to answer on, the question, uh, and then you because that will that'll go into a um, you know a, a longer discussion. But in terms of making a mockery of the process, I also don't think he's making a mockery of the process. The way he's like he's he's taking advantage of the process as it's it's set up to be taken advantage of, so to speak. Um, you know, a mockery would be like coming in at the convention. <laughs> giving people a bunch of money and saying, all right, I'm the guy. Um, like he still at this point has to get some votes. And so at that, like that is, that is allowing, um, you know, that, that's allowing the people to have a say, um, you know, ultimately he still has to beat people or other people have to beat him. And he may be a good springboard or vetting ground, so to speak, for other people to show their bona fides. Can you take out, you're going to take out Trump? Yo, take out Bloomberg. You know, and then, then I'll believe you that you can take out Trump. But that's if a fair point. Here, yeah, if you're crying about Bloomberg, then it's like, well, oh, whoa, Trump, you think Bloomberg is dirty. <laughs> there's no whining. The there, there's no whining in politics. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. I, I, I don't, yeah, like you got to move. So, but go ahead, Tunde. I, well, I just yeah, want to know. Just the, the thing about the campaign finance, because it reminded me as as you guys were talking that um, just for the audience, I mean, it's not just Bloomberg. You're right. Bloomberg gets the headline because he's running for president and he's a billionaire, and it's going to cost a lot of money, obviously, to 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 win the 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 office of the presidency. But I remember it was about a year or two ago. I was hearing on one of these news programs I was talking about the, the Congress and the Senate and, and those elections in general, they said for if you're in kind of a major metropolitan area in the country, it, it costs around $12 million to run uh, from start to finish a, a congressional campaign. And in a major market state, you know, like a New York or a Florida or a California, it can be 20 to $30 million to run a campaign for Senate. And so it really, what it, what, it, what it tells you is, yeah, exactly. It, like Rob said, the system is already broken because that's why they spend, the Congress people spend, you know, three to five days out of their week on the phone trying to raise money <laughs> to stay, to get reelection instead, instead of, of um, governing. Instead of governing. <laughs> and running for state, and running for state treasurer, listen and, to, they running for state treasurer in Ohio requires you to be on the phone for 30 hours a week. Asking no, exactly. For so wow. how can you do your running job? Running for treasurer. And, and so, and that's my point, right? So, so the point is, is that the only people that can come in and run in our government now and be, you know, lead the country in a sense, right? And make important decisions that we all uh, count on are people that either can self-fund 
that are wealthy enough, you know, you're worth 100 million and you're saying, okay, I'll run for Congress and just stroke checks and I won't have to call, make calls. And we got to trust that that person will go in there with the right intentions and, 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 and thinking about the whole country. Or it's going to be somebody who's like everybody else that doesn't have 12 million bucks in a, in a bank to lose, right? Because you, you could be worth 15 million and say, I'm not going to spend 12 of that net worth on, on this. Um, so you got to be worth, you know, more than 50 million for it to make sense to sell fund. So anyone worth less than that then has to make those phone calls and depend on corporate donations and others. And then when they get in office, then everyone's pissed off because they're doing the special interest thing and not looking out for what people perceive as the people. So you guys are right. I mean, this Michael Bloomberg is just the tip of an iceberg that a lot of people don't see on a regular basis um, just because it's not as out front as a presidential. Yeah, it's not as visible. So, yeah, as a correct. president. Yeah. So that's all I want to say. That's, right. a, good, that's Let, a good point. So, look, look, self-funded candidates actually traditionally don't do as well. They've recently started doing better, probably because of the environment, Citizens United, things like that. Traditionally, they do not because you still need to build coalitions uh, and you still got to get people to vote for you. Here's why I think this is a unique moment in time and why I think, um, you know, the, 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 the Bloomberg candidacy is just different. Uh, we are at a time where. Uh, you know, Democrats can't seem to make up their mind. There's a lot of fear going on. So him coming in at this point is strategic and could work. Uh, but my my concerns are many. Uh, so let's start with one. He hasn't been properly vetted. So now we got to this point where he's not had a debate. And I do think he needs to have a debate, not because I'm this I'm crying about him changing the process that we don't know how this guy is going to really debate. All we know is he can have really he's had great ads. His ads have been better than anyone I have seen. So in terms of his ability to put out good content, we know he can do it. To me, he's done it better than anyone else. That can also be because I haven't seen a lot of other people. But the problem is that he hasn't been able to get on stage, to go on stage. We don't know how he can take a hit. We know Trump is going to give him hits, and he's going to take many of them. We know he can do a good tweet back and forth. That's different from actually debating and taking that in. So he needs to be a part of the process. Yeah. Uh, and he hasn't been a part of the process. He needs to go up there, debate with those other candidates, not only out of respect for what they've done, but I think there will be people that will be will be pissed off that have that that have participated in this process that have done all this. And this guy's not going to do it because I think not doing that is going to cost you votes. Even Trump did that. We well, can keep I mean, criticize Trump. He, he participated in the process in every single debate. And we need to evaluate him, as you said. Correct. Like, this, like, we need to see how he can take a punch. Like, that's for us. Like, I can't vote for a guy if I haven't seen him debate. You know, like, come on. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous. Like, I, I need to see how this guy holds up in, and in, in, like, and you mentioned the record. You know, the record is jarring. Um, record horrible, you know, that, which from, I'm going to get into. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and we're, like I said, we, we're, you know, we can, we can go into that at this point because the record is jarring. He uh, he seems to be a bad guy, you know. <laughs> it seems like it just he seems frankly, he seems he seems a lot like the current president. They have a lot in common, like they have a whole lot in common. And so, if you they're both untraditional, they you know Bloomberg's been all over the place. Trump was a Democrat at one point, you know. Bloomberg was a conservative Republican. I mean, he's he's backed more Republicans in his life than Democrats. He's basically he's basically a Republican. He he's not basically he's a Republican. Uh, except, well, and, and, you know, the irony there, of course, is that Republican or, 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 or Trump really isn't a Republican. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> why this is so funny, right? You, you right, got, right. But the Republicans the love him, though. That's the, that's the point, because they make him Republican voters for the most part. There are some people, but they are in the vast, vast mi minority and they will still vote for Trump. Is that, you know, they, they don't like him, but they will vote for him because he is doing things that others haven't done since Ronald Reagan. He is having Republicans fall in line. man. That, Republicans fall in line. And, and he's 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 come through. It's not like he, he hasn't has, done. Yeah, yeah. It's not like he hasn't passed a huge tax cut. It's not like he hasn't gotten more judges almost in four years than Obama got through in his whole term. I mean, he is doing real things. And, yeah. and, and they just get annoyed with some of the corruption. But, you know, they'll take the corruption for all the things they're getting in return. Because they, assume, quite they assume that everybody has corruption. You know, like they assume yeah. that's par for the course. And Trump is just more upfront about it a lot of times. Correct. That's what, that's what you see. And but so I, I think it also goes back to the, the, the like Rob, you said earlier in the, in, the, in the taping here, that the unpredictable nature of trying to pick even who will come out of something in politics is, I think, partially because the labels have, the lines have blurred so much. So like we're saying, Trump, was a Democrat, and like I said earlier in the show too, like he has so many things that appeal to so many different factions of what we once thought 
these hard lines of what's a conservative and what's a, a liberal or whatever, those are all blurred. And, and you guys are right. I'm realizing as you're saying this, if, if Bloomberg were to make it through the Democratic primary and face off Trump, how fascinating would that be? We'd have two guys for the first time representing their party in a presidential election that weren't members of their party like a decade ago. You know what I mean? Like, well, really what it is, they're just, Trump is not a Republican or a Democrat. He's a Trump. And, and, and Bloomberg is not he's a an opportunist. Yeah, he, and Bloomberg yeah, is the true, same true. thing. He's Bloomberg's just whoever's, guy, yeah. whoever's <laughs> scratching his back. That's who <laughs> exactly. he's with. And, and he, but yep. to me, it just makes it seem like you know, like press. But that's why wrestling. they're very similar because they're right. And, and this is what I'm saying is because I've been around this kind of high level business guys like this. That's how most of them are because their first interest is their business, their money themselves. So whatever the environment is around them, that they they're like chameleons. They'll 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 morph to the environment of the time to make sure that they can maintain their dominance in whatever sphere they're in. So That's correct. In the you 1980s, call it chameleon. You call it chameleon. I call it, this is professional wrestling. I would not be surprised if Vince McMahon was working on the phone with both of these guys. And like, <laughs> this was just the way it was being done. This looks like, like we might have Jimmy Superfly Snooker coming in here pretty soon, man. Because that's be awesome. what it looks like. Like, this right. guy... <laughs> Then I'll get but into it, politics. If Jimmy's yeah. flying off the ropes in this election, I'm there. Then <laughs> <laughs> we'll have the Iron Sheik. He'll be talking the Iran deal, right? We'll have what are my boys with the tuna cans? Who are they? The um, the Australian oh guys. The uh, the two guys. What are the two brothers? I don't even remember their oh, names. You're going too old. Bushwhack yeah. brothers. Bushwhack. Yeah. Oh God, I can't believe I remember boys, that. Yeah. But go ahead. They'll be representing the Aussies. You know, we'll have you know we'll we'll have have a great rock. political we'll, landscape. Hulk Hogan going to be back. He'll be you know. Hey, don't don't play. People were talking about the way Johnson running a couple years ago. They were like, "Yo, the right, right, right." <laughs> hey, why not? I mean, why not? Right. So look, I think the the issue. Let's take it back for the country and for Democrats is that if you look at these two, uh, for a lot of voters, they won't see the difference. I'm talking about a lot of uh, Democratic voters. I think they're the one. The one difference is that obviously Trump is an existential threat in a way that we haven't seen before because he's willing to work with foreign countries to undermine the, the United States of America. That is the single reason why I would probably have to hold my nose and vote for Bloomberg, but it would be very, I mean, it would be extremely difficult for me to do. I mean, and, I, and, I, and I'm still... Well, no, well, what, what about I, his record? I think it would be so good. I, I'm about what to get about to his that. record I'm, I'm, do you, that this really just bothers you the most? Or, right, or right, it, so it there, stands out? So that's uh, the, the, the first thing is his record, particularly on... Stop and frisk, and his oh, comments yeah. reinforcing them. Like, so, so much to, to really dive into he's, here. First he's of all, he's proud of it. Like, he's he, proud he, of it. I, 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 yeah. He's proud of it until like a week ago, right? But he's <laughs> <laughs> right because not only was he proud of it, he was criticizing other people for going back and apologizing for things like that. And the level of things he said and the specificity, it wasn't like. Uh, you know, Biden, who just says stupid stuff here and there that sounds a little racist, but you're like, OK, he's just Biden. he just can't know how to he doesn't know how to put a sentence together. This was a really thoughtful analysis on why he was doing stop and frisk. And he believed it. He just he, he said things like, you know, well, you know, yes, yes, I'm going and targeting young black men, many who didn't do any crime. Throwing up against the wall because that that's the way to make people safe, which is categorically false when you show the data. It's All police it does, state. His, like he basically said, I want to treat blacks and browns in a way of a police state. Like correct. That, that's his mindset. Like at least in terms of how he governed. You know, like that, correct. that's correct. It's 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 terrible. I mean, but go ahead. I, I just wanted to throw in the term no, police state because that's, that's what exactly that is. right. So what he, what he's saying is some Americans don't deserve the rights that all Americans are supposed to have. That's what he's saying. Those are his words. That's his justification because he's willing to do whatever it takes to make certain Americans comfortable and violate the rights of other Americans. Does that sound familiar? Hmm. Yeah, because it's what the current president believes, right? So when you got that, you got that mentality. Uh, I have a I have a huge problem with that fundamentally. I, I, I we need to fight against that. And so, what type of president will he be? Uh, what type of uh, judges will he appoint? What what will his Department of Justice look like? Those things are, are, are of great concern to me. Uh, the other side of it is when, whenever I present this to other Democrats or other people that just don't like Trump, they say, well, we got to be Trump. He's the only one to be Trump. Got to be Trump. Only one to be Trump. Got to be Trump. Only one to be Trump. That's what people say to me over and over and over again. I think you can't just present that uh, to people and expect them just to go along with that. Let me give you my example. So let, we're talking to Ray Ray Pookie people that may vote, may not vote, and they hear the record of Bloomberg and you're supposed to say, well, you need to vote for him because he's better than Trump. Their question will be, how? 
You're telling me that our democracy is under threat. My democracy is under threat every single day. My I don't life, have any rights. My life is under threat. Right. My life is under threat. So like, and you're telling me to support a guy that doesn't believe in my rights. Why should I do that? And I would it'd be crickets because I really couldn't give them an honest answer. No, that, that's an excellent point. Tunde, uh, what, what I know that um, you, you oftentimes look at the 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. What, what do you say? Like, and Rob got to the question. So as you talk about this, you know, would you ultimately vote for, you know, or support any of the candidates against Trump? Um, and if so, why? But, you know, just your, your take on Bloomberg, his record or any, anything, you know, what do you see in there, man? Um, I mean, to answer your question, the first one about supporting anyone against Trump, I, you know, my answer generally will be no. I'm not the type of person that's just going to support anybody against somebody else. Um, I mean, I, I have not yet been under any type of leadership that was that bad, including under Trump, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if it was, if I lived in Germany in the 1943 and Berlin's getting bombed, maybe at that point I say, okay, this guy Hitler maybe got to go. <laughs> like, you uh, could put a money. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we don't point. get to that point. Yeah, yeah. Well, but hopefully I, I you would have, yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe by, 19, maybe by 1933 <laughs> I might have said yeah, that. But, yeah. but, but the point is, is that clearly in this country, we've never had a you know, president, that, including the current one, that, that's that extreme that make me say that. So... Um, that's it. That's your first answer. Then, look, I think Rob is, is right and, and comes from a very fair place. Um, and, it's in, and so what, what I'm saying is it makes it from 30,000 feet just be, a, again, another very interesting wrinkle and twist and turn in this, in this process of this year's election. Um, because you're right. There's a lot of things that, you know, let's say, quote unquote, minorities in the United States could find... Um, disturbing about some of Donald Trump's behavior that's already been on display for the last few years. Um, and, you know, people can point at a lot of things. But you're right. One thing I think that I felt when I started reading some of Bloomberg's comments was to Trump's defense, no matter what I've seen from him, I've never seen him talk in that level of detail of disdain uh, for a group. Now, it doesn't mean he hasn't talked like that. I'm just saying he never got recorded talking like that. So, um, you know, and, and my point is, is that is Michael Bloomberg going to be the first president of the United States history that's racist or that says some racist stuff? Absolutely not, because we know there was presidents that supported slavery and supported Jim Crow. There were presidents Crow that owned slaves. Correct. And, 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 <laughs> and presidents that supported Jim Crow and all that kind of stuff. So, but again, just like with his financial backing of his own campaign, the difference in today's world is that we have much more transparency than we ever had. So we didn't know what presidents in the 1920s and 30s and 40s were saying in behind closed doors like we do now. So with all that said, I think Rob brings up a very fair point, And this is why I think, you know, Trump's going to win again. Because and by the way, I don't think that was behind closed doors. I think some of that was a radio interview. No, you're I right. say this, and, this, and this I was, this was intentional. Was the, yeah, That's what I'm trying to say. Like, Aspen Institute and, but this is what happens, right? I mean, guys who got a lot of money, a lot of power. Yep. Um, I think they're not used to, um, you know, just staying in a certain box or, or even being conscious of, 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 why well, they don't have to be. Yeah, they don't have to be. And then they run for president like this. And, and look, Trump's moment was the Access Hollywood tape, right? I mean, that's what everybody was like, whoa, this is going to be the moment, all that. And he got through that. This is Michael Bloomberg's moment where he got caught on tape saying something that, that was not the best thing to be heard saying. And he, and he might I mean, get he through this, too. He said a lot too. of stuff. He, he, he said a lot of stuff. He blamed the 2008 housing crisis on the end of redlining. Like he no, said, no, a lot. Think they blame that on so black people and that, minority people that's too. Why, like, yeah, damn. Yeah, let me finish my thought. I don't think he's Go going to get through this one like Trump got through Access Hollywood. I think this is a much uh, deeper um, wound that a lot of people will feel like. Look, I'll speak for myself. When I read what he said about young black men between the age of 15 and 25 and saying that. They're the ones that do the crime. If you want to know where it's happening, go to their neighborhoods and talking like that. Yeah, it's not then, true. And then saying that the police then have a right. You know, as much as I'm a good human being in my 40s and I have kids and I pay my taxes and all that and I've never been to jail, I've never been ca caught for committing crimes and all that. My point is, is that I still remember at one point being a young black man between the age of 15 and 25 and being harassed by the police. And that's yep. something that... Even my white friends that know me don't know that happened to me because they just weren't there. And they probably would think, oh, Tunde, man, no cop would ever bother you. You're a great guy. You know what? The cop that saw a 17-year-old gangly six-foot-three kid walking around the street and decided that he needed to make an ego point for himself and stop me and ruin my night, that I remember that. So 
when it's just like, I guess, a woman that might have felt, um, you know, violated by some guy who walked up and grabbed her crotch might have had a similar reaction to Donald Trump when she heard and those, and those and words. Bloomberg. He's got that problem, too. Yeah. And so my point is, <laughs> is that is that this is where I said to you guys when this came out, you know, started coming out in the last week. This is going to be a mortal wound for Bloomberg if he doesn't address this. I'm talking immediately. If in a month from now, this is still in the news, he's done. Because well, I, this what can will you do flat- to address it, though? This is him. I, don't, I don't know. I'm not this saying is, that I, mean, I have an answer. I'm just this is saying the real him. Well, this is the real him. I'll tell you this. I am. I, I say this not as a Republican, Democrat, uh, or anything like that. I say this as an American. Uh, and I, your point cannot be overstated as far as Trump's as a threat to the American system of government. Trump is a revolutionary. Like Trump, literally, is trying to change the government. Um, he has taken it with along with Bill Barr has taken the Department of Justice, turned it into his personal police force and, you know, judge, jury and executioner in terms of what's going to who's going to get prosecuted, what they're going to get prosecuted for, what kind of time they're going to serve. Like they've turned all that into a political arm. Now, it's no longer about justice. It's about the Department of Trump. And so I, I think any conversation, if you're asking a question of would you vote, would you support for or throw support for any of these candidates that are remaining in the Democratic primary? Um versus him, my answer at this point is yes. Um, because unless and until I see someone who will openly try to consolidate power for themselves and get rid of, uh, I believe in the rule of law. I think that is more foundational than political affiliation, party political party affiliation. If I see a leader who is literally trying to, to, to say, I'm not subject to the law, then that person, I believe, has we have. I have to get out of power. And if I see that type of person having a base of support that will allow them to do anything they want to do, meaning they have no accountability with their own base, then that I see that as, as such an incredible threat that that has to be opposed with all force. That is akin, in my view, that's akin to a land invasion. Like that is the country being overrun by people who have decided that the United States Constitution should no longer apply. And that to me is the ultimate threat right now. I think Bloomberg is a bad guy. I think he's a bad guy. And my belief and my hope is that he doesn't make it out of the primary. Like I I think that, but I think this need, you need a a candidate to be able to take him out. Like I think that's part of the problem. Like, yo, I'm not complaining about Bloomberg. He's a bad guy. He has all of these flaws, flaws, flaws. Take him out, you know, get more votes than him. I know he's spending a lot of money, but find a way. And so that's really what I'm looking for. But ultimately, yes, I would vote for yeah. him over Donald Trump because yeah, I, let me just, let me just say that response and, mm-hmm. and really, 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 really quick to that. Um, uh, the issue we, we have, if he, if he becomes the nominee is that academic explanation you just made while accurate is very difficult to make to the average African-American Voter, particularly like those who might be between eighteen and thirty-five. Not just still, African-Americans, though. I mean, think of the people who are to support Bernie, and they're like trying yeah, to make things exactly, better I, economically. I was, I was about to get to that next. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to have that conversation with them because it's not a that's a, that's an academic and very honest conversation, and it's a real threat. And that's really the only argument for Bloomberg. That's that is that is, that is that's <laughs> it. That's it. Everything else is like because there's a lot. There's a high price to pay. For his nomination, and even if he wins, there's a high price to pay unless he just surprises us and does something different than his last 78 years in power. Um, unless he does that, there's a high, high, high price to pay. I think the Democratic Party could be looking at uh, a fraction where it might not recover from because you have somebody that doesn't represent any of the essential values. There's a, you know, one, one of my favorite, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. That, uh, with the exception, that, the, the only thing he might, the only thing he's for that he's been shown is climate change and gun safety, which are very important. True, true, but true. but but anything else, he's been horrible at. One of my favorite quotes comes from Ben Franklin. He says, something, "I'm going to paraphrase it." He said, "If you're willing to, to trade essential liberty for temporary security, then you'll lose both liberty and safety." I, I look at Democrats in the same way. If we're willing to trade for some temporary safety to have a Bloomberg, we are going to lose. I think our safety and liberty at the same time, uh, and and we're going to lose. I think the soul of the party. You have a person that essentially, if you were to close your eyes, and I was to tell you, okay, the person that's coming forth is a person that has that said really offensive racial comments. Uh, he's done things that have that have been really offensive. I, I, I think so, you're underselling it, Rob. And I'll say this: you know, the person disagrees with it. It's not who could care less about the stuff he said. This is the stuff, the he's, stuff done. he's done. The, the, the things right. he did in New York you're City right. ruined. Hundreds, thousands of lives. Like that, forget yeah. what he said, 
Like, you're right. That's the stuff that you really hold against him. It's like, man, you're, you're absolutely ruining right. people's lives daily. No, and, I agree. And, and bragged about it and how that's how you were going. Like, you turned it into a police state against certain people. And, and like I said, I, I think he's a terrible guy. Like, I, I think he's a terrible guy. And your Vin, Ben Franklin quote is, is, is well taken. I'll say this, though. That's, a, that, that's assuming that the liberty piece isn't already going anyway. Because that's what I'm, I'm saying. Hey, if, if something isn't done now, then I don't know that there is a 2024 in terms of electoral um, politics. That, that might be over. Because a, what's being unwound now, yeah, what's un, being unwound now, and that's that. Your, your point is well, and I, I think that there the need, there is a need for an academic explanation of what's going on, though, because I hear this on the Bernie with the Bernie people also, where they're saying, well, if he doesn't win, I'm not voting for anybody, and and it's like, well, you are. I think in, we can we can get those people though, but I think Bloomberg is the hardest is the hardest leap for that. That's well, such but a let's beat him then in the primary because that's what needs I to agree. happen. I agree. And that's what, so, so, and, let, and, and let me get to this point. I think okay, this is ahead. how we beat them. It's not a whining point. It's what we're talking about is listen, he is not the best candidate. He has the most money, but he has the most liabilities. He will turn enough of our people off where we can't win. We need to win. We still have to have some values to win. We don't have to agree on everything, but people have to know, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to fight for the little guy. We're going to fight. He doesn't believe in minimum wage. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going to turn people off. Just saying, why? how can I see the difference? And I, and I get we have this threat, but I don't think there's enough people that you're going to move because that's still, that's, a, that's, that, that's not, they're not going to be moved by that. Not well, enough. Yeah, that's yeah, that's completely that's, anti-Trump. No, no. Yeah, that's completely correct. You cannot motivate voters to vote against something. Enough. Like you're going yes. to lose elections if you're saying you got to vote against something. So yes, you need uh, my main point, and that is needs to, to be their argument Correct. to beat them. That's all I'm saying. My my main point is that we do as again not as Democrats, not as Republicans, not but as Americans, as Americans, we need to recognize the threat to the Constitution and to our form of government, to the things like rule of law and separation of powers that are that, that that's existing right now. The existential threat. That is is present right now, and we need to respond accordingly. And that doesn't mean compromise all our values and vote for a guy who has more money than Trump and think that that's going to solve the problem. I'm not trying to bring in Tony Stark to solve the problem, you know. Like, but we do need a candidate to build coalitions and Agreed. to show us they can build coalitions. And that's where we get back to the beginning, where it's like, well, this process we have right here doesn't allow us to see people put coalitions together. It's just everybody has their lane, and who can dominate their lane the best, and that that's who's winning the prize. So ultimately, you know, I, I want us to get to a better when I say us, I'm saying as Americans to get to a better place where there can be a contrast. There's Donald Trump and what he believes in. There's another candidate and what he believes in. And I hope that other candidate isn't there simply because he's not Donald Trump. And, and that, that if we want a democracy, that's what we need. Um, Tune Day, we're going to um, get ready to wrap up here, man. Yeah, but I know man. you got about no, 20 things written say, down. So, man. Take us through the list. Yeah. So first <laughs> of all, I actually like that you brought up Tony Stark because I think that would be awesome. He's got a pretty cool suit. If he was out there campaigning, <laughs> flying around the country, you know, in his Iron Man suit, that would be pretty cool. But um, now, nah, look, I, I, you guys might not like me for what I'm saying, but I, I think this field is weak. I think you guys all are right about the, the, the way you're talking about the contrast with Bloomberg and everyone else plus Trump. And I just think that, Jimmy, I understand your academic argument, and I, I don't disagree with it, that, that we're seeing a bunch of stuff happen that is taking the kind of checks and balances that have been there for a long time in this country away. But and my that, attitude, they, they weren't they're not they haven't just been there, though. They were specifically put there. No, to I get prevent it. One person from taking over. Just my, you know, my, just my big term in. view of 30,000 feet is, you know, we all we got to lie in the bed we make in as a society. So this seems to be what Americans want. The Democrats haven't been able to put up somebody yet, at least at this point in February, that the country looks at and says, I trust you more than Donald Trump. And at this point, you know, if this is what we want, this is what we'll get the next four years. And, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll have its own evolution if Trump wins again, and we'll see if it does continue to knock down some of these checks and balances or not. But my whole thing is, like, I, like, it's Rob, like Rob said at the start of the show, the ghost of Trump keeps haunting the Democrats, and that's why I think Democrats look so weak, because they constantly look like all they're doing is responding, and it, and it looks like that Trump is just leading them by the nose constantly down different rabbit holes. Well, I mean, all of those issues, you know, ultimately, like we get to see them play out in real time. And so, you know, it, it, I think we did touch on some of the, the some of these key inflection points here from the, the race in general. And then also some of these the, the things that 
Bloomberg jumping in exposes and particularly the risks if he's yeah. able to, to leverage some of these, some, some of what he's done and some of his f- financial uh, power and his ability to navigate the social media game and, and stay on people's minds. Um, if he's able to leverage that in the votes and actually come to the, to, to the head of the line here. Uh, but from that, you know, we'll, we'll wrap this up today. I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to discuss some of this stuff. Uh, you know, again, as the primary continues to unfold and, and we have more data points and more information to go from, uh, don't forget to check us out on part two. Uh, you know, we're going to get in on the, uh, the argument again, that growth from the economy actually can save the environment, you know, not degrowth, not scaling back, but growing more can save the environment. Uh, also on the, the lawsuit filed by, uh, XX chromosome, uh, females, uh, against, uh, tra- or against the uh, governing body to try to prevent transgender students from competing against them, and all, and lastly the uh, the another prehistoric hominid spe- species that has been identified that human beings were were in and around uh, to say the least. So until next time, I'm James Keys. I'm Tunde Wilana. I'm Rob Richardson. All right, subscribe, rate, review. Thanks for joining us.